When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dave Ninimitz. It's Dave Ninimitz. All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Pauline Jr., Dave Ninimitz of The Athletic here with you on a Tuesday, which in the Bengals week is kind of like a Friday because the game is on Thursday. I hope everybody's still following in with us. It's just <laughs> a lot of confusion. Yeah, not much time to breathe. Just got to turn around and get back to it this week. Breathing is overrated, Dave. It is. Power it is. through, hold your breath until you choke out. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to go about it. I mean, there's, uh, there's 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 so much so much to dive into. Of course, Mo Egger is going to join us here. We're going to talk a little bit. I've got a question for Mo that I haven't really addressed, and I thought he was the perfect person to bring bring it up to because I, I I don't I just don't have an answer to it and, and I hope he can help me with it. And then we're gonna have our good friend Jeff Zrebeck from Baltimore to talk about the Ravens, which are just a fascinating team right now. And I think there's a lot of conclusions you can draw uh when you hear Jeff talk about the way the Ravens have won and lost in comparison to the way the Bengals have won and lost games this year. So great conversation with Jeff coming up as well and because we're shoving two shows into one we're going to get your growler bet recap and your growler bet for this weekend predictions arby's all of that stuff all in one episode dave i mean what (laughs) else could people ask for i i think the bare naked lady said it best when they said you're all about value (laughs) that wasn't (laughs) is that a is that a b-side cut no that's uh that's that's in the one week song no it is yeah oh yeah you're right you're right that's that's front and center that's an (laughs) a-sider for for bnl i don't know if that counts for our uh, references of old pop culture though no i think that's a that's a 90s i don't know release release date on one week i (laughs) I mean check on that are we doing music as well though sure movies okay of course we are of course we are Uh, let's take let's check it yeah and uh you know everyone's (laughs) growler bet Subject header submissions strong as hell again this week after last week. We <laughs> talked a lot about Jurassic Park and Wayne's World, and so a lot of good, a lot of good drops uh in that regard. But let's get into the news uh right now. Oh, but this so yeah, the one episode day we'll have the walkout, of course, for you to wake up to Friday uh from Baltimore. Uh, but that'll be the only episode this week. Uh, but so let's get into the news. Um, you know, a lot to discuss with okay injuries are happening we spoke to zach taylor brian callahan luana rumo on monday all three of them and and a lot of ground was covered Uh, let's let's kind of start with the injuries hendrickson and hubbard i mean trey hendrickson noah brown fell into him and and he hyperextended his knee um doesn't look like he's going to be able to go uh, this week, there was a you know they're not making any definitive declarations right now, but it's certainly a lot of 
quote, tough, short weeks were being mentioned mm-hmm. uh, when it was discussed there, which is not what you want to hear. And uh, so I would not ex- expect to see either of those. You know, Luana Rumo sort of crossed his fingers and when he came to Hubbard and said, hoping that maybe um, with his ankle injury that kept him out, but um, what the CT Higgins does not seem like he's going to be back. Didn't expect that when he couldn't even do anything last week. And now you're only talking about five days later with that hamstring. Um, so expect him to be out again. So shorthanded, but one of the issues there's the fallout from all of this, I think is worth a minute of discussion. And that is with Hendrickson Hubbard potentially out into, you know, the center of, of this week where, where you've, you've got to be disciplined in the way that you rush Lamar Jackson. You got to get back there. You got to make a lot of plays, a lot depending on the edge rushers when you're playing the Ravens is is what to expect of Miles Murphy, of Cam Sample, of Joseph Osai, who just didn't give you enough on, on Sunday against Houston. And it's it's time to see it now because it seemed like when the beginning of the season, this was going to be the strength was the fact they had all this depth to rely on, but it just didn't yeah. come through the way they hoped it would on Sunday. And it makes you wonder how quickly they can turn it around for Thursday. Yeah, it is crazy because we talked about that a lot going into the season and watching the preseason that, you know, who's the odd man out in this group? They're so deep. They're so good. But we haven't really seen it come to fruition in the season. And, I, you know, I think more people are going to talk about Miles Murphy just because first round pick and we really haven't seen him do anything. I think the real puzzler to me is Osai. I think mm-hmm. we kind of felt like this was this was kind of breakout year for him. And you know he's gonna he's gonna get his test on Thursday to see if uh, if he's up to the challenge. But uh, yeah, this is this is a very true test of next man up and what those guys can bring. Yeah, and you know Lou kind of addressed Osai directly yesterday, pointing out you know he's always thought injuries was part of what held him has held him back, but you know Osai has been healthy all this year. And he hasn't been able to get out of the doghouse. He's barely get you know, even yesterday. He was you know not the highest snap count and had some bad snaps. He pointed out there's just a lot of inconsistency that they're working through with him right now. That they're not they're just not seeing him doing the right things enough, and that means Miles Murphy and Cam Sample. You know Cam Sample, who does the right things, but he's not as gifted yeah. athletically as Miles Murphy and Joseph Osai, and but yet. Lou is always going to side with the guy who's maybe not as athletically gifted, but does the right things versus the guy who is athletically gifted and doesn't always do the right things. That's just who he is. And we saw that on Sunday with this, the snaps that they gave to cam sample in place of Hubbard, who was up in the 60 percentages. They just have more belief in him to be doing the right thing. And that's at some point, if uh, at one point during the game, I said, if only in this situation you had a first round pick who you could just pull <laughs> off the bench to really give you a big play. And he's in there. A lot of those big plays where you need him, there he is. And there he is not doing anything where yeah. you know you just, you, you, he, that was a spot for him where you'd seen, okay, he seems to be getting better. Now he's getting more opportunity. And that's why I think Sunday was disappointing for him to not give you more. Uh, because you wanted to see it, but he's going to get another opportunity because he he has to. They don't really have a choice uh, yeah. right now with those guys out. You have a first round pick sitting there. At, he's got to be amongst the two that that uh, are in the rotation to really go and get it. And so I think we'll see that big circle 
around them this weekend. But the other interesting thing is, you know, Luana Rumo talking about the rotations that have been going on in the secondary too. You yeah. know, the Jordan battle, Nick Scott has been happening and DJ Turner and Cheetah Bay Awuzie has been happening. And his point was, I sure wish that I didn't have to keep doing rotations, but his point being, it's like the old quarterback. If you got two, you got none. I, yeah. I feel like he doesn't feel like he would love to see one guy really ascend and assert himself of any of those four I just mentioned. And and I think DJ Turner has the most, but he's had error too. Um, and he would love for Chidabe Uze to be that full guy. I asked directly about him to Lou Anarumo, and it was pointed out. Yeah, I mean, the he, he's, the injury stuff is still a part of this for him. Yeah. And look, they need this game Thursday. It's huge. And there are dudes that can play on the Baltimore sideline, and they can't afford explosives. And if you're going to be out there saying, yeah, well, the injury stuff's still a part of the Cheetah Bay Uze experience. And yeah, he's ascending in practice. He looks like he, he's looking like in practice, like he's more of the guy they expect him to be. But yet the bumps in the road, Lou also talked about that they're seeing from him in the games. And he, you know, he looked lost at times. And you just feel like you're not seeing the stickiness you're used to seeing from him. It, it, it makes you wonder. He said he's at the point right now where he's still going to go with rotations, but he's got more time to think about it. The point is there's a lot of thought going on in his head about, (laughs) should I continue with this rotation stuff? Should I just pick the two guys and go with it? I think he's really unexpectedly conflicted about what's happening and the issues that are occurring in the secondary about how you try to fix it going forward with personnel or whatever, but it sounds like right now expect to see a little bit of everybody back there until something changes. Yeah. And I, I think at least with DJ Turner, you still, you know, like you said, you see the errors and they're really more rookie mistakes as far as I'm concerned. I, he still is making big plays. He's Definitely. still looking good out there. So you, you have to think if it's between him and Awuzie and Awuzie still struggling with health you'd like to think that dj turner holds the upper hand on that just because physically he's going to give you something um tackling's another issue i mean nick scott was part of that letting noah brown kind of plow through to to get them down to field goal range um there's (laughs) this goes back to what we've talked about for a long time just what you miss with von bell and jesse bates and there's no going back and getting them you know they're gone so you got to figure it out but uh yeah, that's that's not a great conundrum to have when you're facing the Ravens and they can beat you in the air or on the ground. No, and Nick Scott just has 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 not been good. You know, he, he really he's had moments, but just too many missed tackles when you're in the hole. Too many times you're 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 just not making the play, and and it kills you. And and so I think you know Lou's point is. Yeah, I I'd, I'd love to be sitting here and and talking to you um about guys like Jordan Battle, you know, taking over positions and and living up to that. But it just hasn't happened. He's not there's not an not making enough plays, he's missing too many tackles and and you're it just seems like that's where you're seeing the fall off is that Nick Scott hasn't been that, and yet in practice, it sounds like Jordan Battle hasn't really seized that opportunity to the level that they'd want him to. So you continue to go 
with what you've seen, which is Nick Scott getting the majority of of the run, but it not being very productive. And so uh, another area when we talk about the cracks in the armor, they're looking for answers that, you know, if if you lose Thursday and, and you go to five and five and you've got the mini buy in a long week, the pressure could be on. I think you could see the changes where it's like, look, just going with the young guys, you yeah. know, going, just picking, picking a horse and going with it. You know, which is because that's what Lou Anarumo prefers to do. He wants continuity. He doesn't want to rotate defensive backs. He doesn't want to have to constantly have new communication happening because what happens? Noah Brown stands wide open for an entire <laughs> game when you have to constantly yeah. be challenged with different and new communication as the game goes on. So keep an eye on that. Um, the other thing to talk about here is, you know, one thing. I think that Brian Callahan mentioned is that look Thursday this this feels like there's a lot of big games coming up but this feels like he quote a playoff game in November and and I think that's just correct you know when yeah. someone asked me am I pulling out the must win armband this week you know which was given back after the Arizona win to no I, I'm not I'm not I'm not my armband is still on on the bag okay however there's a second armband. Oh yeah, a second armband <laughs> that is dedicated solely to the AFC North crown. Um oh yeah, armbands out. I'm wearing it on my head like a headband actually, <laughs> like almost over my eyes. It's just it's so noticeable. I want ever because you know, the math is what the math is. It's not about ability. It's not that the Bengals couldn't sneak into the tournament as they like to say uh and make a a a road on the run as a wild card uh, make a run on the road as a wild card and and win plenty of games we've seen them do it before i wouldn't hold it past them i I think they'll be if they that happens they they'd be as dangerous as any team in the playoffs it's a tougher road but i'm not i'm not counting joe burrow out in any scenario like that at all um but the easier path is clearly to try to win the division and get at least a home game in there that said, if the Ravens win Thursday and they move, you know, to, to eight and three, really with six games left, the worst case scenario for them would probably be eleven wins. Okay, I mean, if they went three and three, a team that's been rolling people, it's only lost by total miracle comebacks. Um, yeah. To to do anything worse than three and three would be totally stunning or have involved a Lamar Jackson injury. It's yeah. just you can't see it. And if they do, it's probably because Pittsburgh Pittsburgh or Cleveland is gonna also make a run at six and three. Like the the idea that you that you're gonna, you know, get in there with anything less than eleven is is hard to see. And and the Bengals would be sitting there at five and five, needing to yeah. go seven and zero oh to get to twelve. Six and one, and everybody on their schedule is five hundred or better, and on most of them three over five hundred or better. That's just it's 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 fuzzy to see that happening if they don't win on Thursday. So just like we kind of talked about a couple weeks ago, where they got to win this game Thursday to win, you know, it can decide the North. I still feel that way, 
because the Bengals are yeah. right in the middle of the hunt. If they win that, they pull Baltimore right back to everyone. And it's almost like starting back at square one again, if they can do this. Um, it's a it's an uphill slog to do it. But the bottom line is they it's it's the task that they've put in front of themselves by going one and three to start and losing to Houston this week. Yeah, to take it a step further, and uh, I you know, I don't know if in your closet full of situational <laughs> armbands where this comes in. Um, when you look at the AFC as a whole, I think the the, the bright side is, is it's just a hodgepodge of teams that are all within a game or two of each other. So, yeah, you're still in the hunt for a wild card, but you lose this game and now you're one in five in the AFC mm-hmm. and you've lost your head to head with the Texans. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of lot of uh, X's being put on your opportunity there as you as you keep burying yourself further and further. The, yeah, I, I don't really like saying must win just because until you're mathematically eliminated from something, it just seems stupid to to start putting that on there. But the weight of this game is pretty heavy, and to have it on a short week, to have injuries, this is really going to test what this team's all about. And I, the the funny thing is, is if they if they win it, if they step up and win it, the narrative totally swings to look at this resilient team that won when they absolutely had to. This is this is the Bengals we've known the last couple of years. So this will be a pretty definitive game for their season. Yeah, it, there is no way around that. And the trends, you know, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I even I brought this up and and wrote about it in in this week in Bengals. Uh, that's up now. Just some of the history sort of 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 this situation and and i know people don't always like the super filtered situational retrospectives but i i do think that there's a, a lot of credence in that in that this division in particular going on the road playing in prime time is a real pain in what dave the dupa okay <laughs> and it, there's just there's just no way around it. Um, Jay, of course, had stats. The last ten years, the Bengals are zero and fourteen on the road in a primetime game, which is wild. Worst, uh, obviously, it's worst in in the league. Nobody else is winless. Um, now, I'll say the Bengals. I I equate primetime and playoffs as the same. Going on the road in the playoffs and winning games, beating Kansas City, beating Tennessee, beating Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I think that that's what you lean on here, not the fact that it's dark. It's because the lights. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. the but it is there's charged atmospheres, things like that. Yeah. But in the North, you know, since 2019, AFC North teams playing a division team on the road in prime time are two and ten. That's across the division. Everybody. That's what this thing is. And the Bengals are 0 and 4. Um the Ravens are the best team in prime time, you know, over the last decade. I mean, that this has been part of who they are. Um, since 2016, AFC North teams traveling in the division on a short week on the Thursday game are 0 and 5. Okay. I mean, it's just really tough. Okay. And the Ravens yeah. didn't even have to travel last year. They were home on Sunday. So you they you add all of that together, you have created this like I I go to I have to go to playgrounds a lot. 
with my <laughs> with my kids. I promise. It's, I don't just go there and stare <laughs> at other kids. And there's always the one kid. And this used to be my daughter, who's too young to climb up the slide, but wants to because all the other kids are doing it. <laughs> and it's like, honey, it's just too big. And you, it doesn't matter how <laughs> sticky you think your shoes are. Like you just keep sliding down. It's not that you're not <laughs> strong or can't play on this playground area. It's just that is too hard. Okay. <laughs> and I think in certain points, you, you know, even though the Bengals are a talented team, this is, you know, you wonder if they're old enough to climb up the slide. Uh, when you talk about this particular spot of a great Ravens team in this spot. So I don't know. Uh, the the one thing they have going for them is maybe they are the older kid because you know who they have? Underdog Burrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Joe Burrow backed into a corner being told he can't do it is the Joe Burrow you want on your side. Oh, give him a cape. It's cape. <laughs> it's a cape week. It's Burrow cape week. So, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable when you think about this, though. I mean, yeah. look, what what do we always say? Vegas knows, right? Every 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 line you end up, the game ends up three point dog ends up by three. You play bad beats. It's always it's always the same, right? It always goes the way that you, you know, Vegas kind of predicts it will be, or that that at least washes over time. Yeah, Beng- Bengals are three and a half point dogs here at the Ravens, um, at least by the latest odds. Um, it's only second time they've been an underdog this year. Um, Burrow, since the start of the 2021 season as an underdog, an underdog of two points or more, 12-0-1 against the spread. <laughs> Not lost. One push. That's it. A single push <laughs> is the only thing. 12-0-1. How about this? They're just 10-3 and straight up. Yeah. That's the stat right there. <laughs> they That's just insane. win. They just win yeah. these games. Four of those were by double digits. We talked about this after San Francisco, where they blow people out often. The only losses were that crazy Green Bay game with a million missed field goals that went to overtime. Nice. You might remember the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? Last year, week five in prime time at mm. Baltimore 19 to 17 where they scored the go ahead touchdown only for Lamar Jackson and Justin Tucker to finish them off in that game brings you right back to the same spot underdog burrow against the prime time short week road situation something's got to give as they <laughs> like to say and it ends up putting you in this really fascinating spot on Thursday night football and, you know, just a incredible game in the big picture of the NFL season. Yeah. You you hate to bill everything, the game of the year, but this is our weekly game of the year. So, (laughs) and it'll be, as you've pointed out, this, this may be the biggest, best game we've ever seen for Amazon prime on Thursday nights. Shout out, shout out Amazon prime. Yeah. Al Michaels will be Al Michaels will be cheered up on this one. Yeah, he deserves it. He's put yeah. in he's put in his time, I think, yeah. uh, to to get this one. So looking forward uh, to all of that. All right. On that note, let's dive in. We're going to bring Mo Egger in, and then we're going to bring in our good friend Jeff Zrebeck, uh from Baltimore as we talk through a little bit about where this team's at. I have a question for Mo, 
And then Jeff with all the insight uh, from Baltimore on a fascinating Ravens team. And then we'll come back and get through our segments and prediction and get out of here. All right, now let's uh, move on as we always do. It's a short week, but there's always time to make sure that we sit down and talk with our friend and yours from ESPN 1530, Mo Egger. What's up? Well, how are we doing? The Thursday game throws off my equilibrium, right? Yeah. Like I haven't turned the page and yet here we are. It's the Ravens in two days. In two days. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, the page has to turn, but I'm not, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to kind of like half turn. I'm going to hold it like in the middle. We're going to kind of, okay. we're going to kind of go with both. Cause I have one question that I, I don't feel like I have an answer to. And I think you might be able to, to help me with it. Ooh, okay. and it's not one that I feel, I just, I don't feel like I've heard, I've, I've seen this and that is, and this is, this is a very earnest in full respect question to all Bengals fans. I, I promise this because we just view the, we view the game through a different lens. I don't watch the broadcast during the game. I'm not out there in the motions of it. And we just see it in, in different ways sometimes just through the, the, the way that we consume this team. Why are fans this mad? <laughs> Boy, I think this is, I think to a degree, there's extraordinarily heightened expectations. I think we've talked about this. And if not, if so, uh, excuse me for bringing this up again. But I remember going to a Reds-Cubs game in 2004. Now, that was supposed to be the year. They had just lost in seven games to the Marlins the year before the Bartman game. But like, all right, that was supposed to set the stage. This was going to be the year for the Cubs. And reasonably early in the season, like three weeks in, they played the Reds. And I went up with a couple of buddies. And uh, by the way, you don't want to do Wrigley in April. You want to do it in June. But yeah. that's a different topic. <laughs> and... I forget who the Cubs closer was, but he blows it. He blows a game in the ninth inning and the Reds come back and win either in the eighth or ninth. And, you know, this is like the 18th game of the season. Is it frustrating losing? Sure. Folks were ready to lose their mind. And I remember thinking like, these people are a little bit too on edge, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I, and I think that's what comes with just massive expectation. You know, the, the UC football year, two years ago, when they go undefeated. And and I, I just would say to people, like, you realize they haven't lost a game yet. This is supposed to be fun. And yet, boy, just every, like, oh, they went three and out. We're pulling our hair out. So I, I feel like heightened expectation uh, brings about a, a level of angst when anything goes wrong that's a little bit different than we're used to. I, I also feel like there is – you have fans who – you know, they always rally around the nobody believes in us thing, which I think is just the most tired, played out trope in sports. But uh, something bad happened. And so now it's it's going to it's going to bring out the haters and people feel like they have to, you know, combat that. And it makes them frustrated when they can't. Maybe that's it. But so I didn't like Sunday. But to me, Sunday was more about the Houston Texans. Also yeah. in that game. I just there there were there were things to be concerned about, right? Like is Tony Pike and I talked about is 
is bend but don't break starting to break defensively? It's a fair question. Are they a little bit too reliant on the 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 timely turnover? Which which by the way, they got another one on Sunday and it, it gave them a chance to win the game. But like there was a lot of outliery sort of stuff that happened in that game that I I just I haven't changed my mind about the team. I certainly recognize that the math is a lot more difficult, especially if they they don't win on Thursday. But yeah, I just I, I've noticed that like they had won five out of six. Things were going well. They have the same team that they had last week. And now the sky is falling and people are losing their mind. I, I I can certainly use Sunday's game to ask what I think are some very fair questions. And I, I certainly can start to talk about scenarios for the Bengals if they lose on Thursday and if they win. But you, you would you would think this team just plummeted to like one and seven and we were in the middle of, of the dark ages listening to how some people have reacted to Sunday. Yeah, and that was sort of my point is because from 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 my, and again I I know I have a little bit of a different view and there's a more rational, you know, coaches that have been through this, players that are veterans that have been through these long seasons are really good at, you know, the stupid cliche of never get too high, never get too low, but they they see it through a more rational weather the storm lens and we we deal, I deal with them regularly and and see it through through that lens and i i just don't think my perception of the Bengals changed i was already concerned about the things the cracks that i wrote about whether we're talking that you mentioned mm-hmm. i mean the offensive lulls the the, the explosive plays and, and and seeing a little less to me that was already part but it was still even with that I still think they have played at a championship level at times this year and prove it again in San Francisco. Say what you want to about Buffalo, you know, despite faults, really emphatically beating some quality teams. I don't think that's changed. Houston's making the playoffs, people. That's a really good Houston team. Mm-hmm. Say mm-hmm. what you want. And they're coming together. They had confidence, they had juice, and they looked like it. And 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 so to me, that hasn't changed. The road was always going to be a grinder, but they, the Bengals have won four in a row. They, 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 had, they were undefeated since Burrow could move. And the one first sign of weakness uh, of a loss to a really good team, one in which the most sure-handed receiver maybe in franchise history drops a ball <laughs> that could have put them ahead is is the reason to, to turn on everything that they'd been doing. They'd been winning despite faults for a while now because they were, you know, really so overwhelmingly good at what they're good at. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily changed their path. You mentioned the math is always going to be hard, but I just don't think that it's, it's, it's as dark as, as it was being painted elsewhere. Yeah. You know, there's a lot there. One of the, the most cliched saying in sports is you're never as, as good as you think you are when you're winning and you're never as bad as you are as, as bad as you think when you're losing. And I, you know, it's funny when, when they're winning, we, we've talked about this sort of behind the scenes and radio, like when they're winning, you get really, really beat up sometimes. If you're like, God, let's talk about why they're giving up so many yards per play or let's, mm-hmm. let's discuss this position. Like nobody wants to hear that. And then they lose. And it's like, well, you know, these these things have been issues for a while. You just wanted to ignore them. And by the way, if Tyler Boyd catches that pass in the end zone or 
the the Texans kicker off the street misses a kick and we go to overtime and the Bengals win, we're probably doing more of that this week. And it, the story is how they gutted it out and Cam Taylor Britt made the play to turn the game and that's the biggest play of the season and Joe Burrow comes up big in 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 the clutch and like you know I, I think the the longer I watch this league I have I think the one thing that for me as a fan that the last two years have done is it's given me a greater appreciation for the length of the season and and how you you shouldn't be slave to what just happened all the time certainly you know if they lose on Thursday. You know, I don't think you're out of bounds to say division title hopes cooked. Yeah. And then, you know, like, I, that's fair. Truthfully, yes. Sure. But, but I, you know, again, like what I, I, I try to, you know, uh, usually on Sunday mornings, not the shows where they scream at each other, but I'll find really good, smart um, NFL commentators that talk about the league as a whole, whether it's on television or podcasts or whoever. And I don't want to say I, I take my cue from them, but I'm always like, all right, they're going to look at this from a more 30,000 foot view. And the consensus was that was about the Houston Texans. And mm-hmm. you know what? The Bengals are going to be okay. They've got to go win this game on Thursday, but it's not inconceivable that they do. Right. Uh, to me. And so I go, yeah. Like if I'm looking at this from afar, I go, boy, in Houston, they've got their quarterback and you know, they they did some things offensively that Cincinnati couldn't stop. And, yeah, that might have revealed some issues that the Bengals have. But, boy, that's a Texans team, given their schedule, given what they have. They've had been such a picture of instability in the front office and with the head coaching position. And that seems to have, have changed. Like, that game on Sunday, to me, was about the Texans. Fans rarely want to admit that. But, okay, so what did it tell us about the Bengals? Well, you know, look, strategically – we could talk about they should have thrown the ball to Jamar Chase more. I sort of feel like over the course of the season, that's going to rectify itself. Burrow threw some uncharacteristic interceptions. I don't think Joe Burrow has an interception problem. Um, if you give if you give me a Lou Anarumo coach defense and say, you've got to get a stop here to win the game, I'll take my chances with that a lot of the time. Now, again, like is – is bend but don't break sustainable for what they're trying to accomplish? What happened to the pass rush? How troubling is it if, if Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard both have to miss time? All fair and legitimate questions. But we would have asked them, many of us would have, had they won the game. But because they lost the game, now it just it, it feels like the, the sky is falling. And had they won it, nobody maybe would have wanted to talk about that stuff. Sunday was about one in three, not about... yeah. Oh, and one Sunday was about what happened in the first four weeks of the season, because that was the, the margin for air is, is abound in the NFL. I mean, look at the, look at the AFC playoff picture. Everybody's yeah. like five and four, four and five. I mean, everybody's the same. There's a million good quarterbacks. Like the, the, everybody there's wins, there's losses. You, you just, you, whoever can sneak out a few it's that they, eliminated that with the early season losses and the burrow calf and all the crap that came along with that first month. And, and, and that puts pressure on the hard chunk of their schedule that's ahead, which was, and Houston ended up being a part of that. People didn't think it would be, but guess what? So what they were and the, and the Ravens are, and even the Steelers will be all of this. stuff. that's just, 
that was always going to be the case. This was about blowing opportunities early in the season that were supposed to afford you a little bit more of a margin for error, which brings us to Thursday. And, you know, this is, we discussed it in when we were talking about predictions last week that this feels like it's going to decide the AFC North. Cleveland maybe changed that a little bit uh, with their win over the Ravens uh, on Sunday. I still kind of feel that way. I still think that the boost that the Bengals would receive from winning the North uh, from winning this game is, is what could put them on really the trajectory that you thought they would be on regardless of what happened against the Texans. And I think the Ravens deliver an absolute haymaker knockout blow to the Bengals North hopes just by a strictly math perspective. Um, If they win, I still feel that way. Sunday didn't change mine. Did it change your mind? No, because Baltimore lost. Now, yeah. you know, the, the wrench that gets thrown into the conversation is what do we do with the Browns? Because the Bengals still play them. They lost head-to-head. Deshaun Watson played better. They overcame a 14-point deficit on the road. But, yeah, I mean, you know, math. I mean, to me, Sunday was about math. It was about division title math. Um, and, and it was about, all right, for the first time, I'm going to start to take a look at the rest of the AFC, and there are – how many teams that have five wins? Like, okay. <laughs> and they just lost to one of them head to head. So, you know, might we revisit that over the course of the final few weeks of the season? But yeah, I I still feel like that's a reasonable conclusion that the that whoever wins on Thursday is going to win the AFC North. Um Baltimore and Cincinnati are as close to each other today in the standings as they were on Sunday morning. Yep. So if you felt that way last Sunday. Shouldn't you feel that way now? Right? Yes. I mean, in every loss is damaging. And again, you know, Cleveland gained a game on them and Pittsburgh gained a game on them, the worst six and three team in the history of the sport. Um, but we've been looking ahead to Thursday for a while going, that's the game. Okay. Well, they're as close to Baltimore in the standings right now as they were at kickoff on Sunday. So if they win this game, they're where we thought they would be had they won that game. I mean, and and so, but, you know, I guess you do have to wonder how good are the Browns right now, which which we just talked about. But, yeah, I, I think we'll all wake up on Friday morning if they win the game against Baltimore and go, okay, the, the race is on. Um, at the same time, I think what's, what's going to hover over the last, what is it going to be, six games of the season is, you know, that Texans game looked easy weeks ago. It wasn't that Pittsburgh game. A lot of people would say looked easy weeks ago. They keep figuring out ways to win. That Vikings game looked easy weeks ago. The Colts somehow are our 500 team. Now that game carries with it a ton of importance. You know, you, you, you can't afford another slip up and the possibility of a slip up, I think is increased relative to how we looked at the end of the schedule, the end of the schedule just a few weeks ago. Yep. And and they've got to figure out ways to fix, you know, the major flaws that that exist with them and do it on the fly and do it in a short week and do it in a massive spot. What you have going for you if you're the Bengals is you've seen this show before. Back this team into a corner, make Joe Burrow an underdog, and we've seen this show. We 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 yeah. that's when they've been at their best. And I think you hold on to that. There's been, you know, there's so much of holding on to history. 
that I think has been happening over the course of the first half of the season. And I think they need to stop that. I, I think we all, I think everybody that follows this team needs to stop that. But sure. I also think that that is who they are. Like this, that's part of, part of what's, what makes the guys that are still in this locker room really good and what's made this team really good. And I, and I think that's a, you know, something that should, should be enough to make people confident going into Thursday. I do, I do. I just want to briefly mention, we're not going to talk about it. I hope that if you have some downtime this week, you pick up time magazine um, because there's a headline, the government search for aliens and why they probably exist. <laughs> there's a book. There's, there's an actual, like there's a, there's actually a book. So you don't even have, you don't even, I say pass the excerpt up and go straight to the book. Um, if, if you're interested, uh, there's, there's discuss, you can discuss with journalist Garrett Graff as he traces the evolution of the U S government's involvement in efforts to track UFOs. I'm just saying if anybody, if you're looking for gifts for Mo, you know, you appreciate what he's done on this podcast or, or you love his show or just his general jovial demeanor. Uh, and you want to show a token of your appreciation, uh, UFO, the inside story of the U.S. government's search for alien life here and out there is officially out in bookstores and, and, and perhaps should be picked up. I do feel like there's an offseason uh, future guest of the podcast yes. Uh, yes. In, in order, just just yeah. reference. A, a, because if you book a book author on your podcast or show, you get a, a free review copy. Yeah. B, <laughs> it, like in, in the month of May – like after schedule release, what's going to be more interesting? Nothing. Thoughts from minicamp or this guy? Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think we know. Yeah. I think we know the answer. And and you know, if the Bengals start losing a bunch of games, I'm I might have the guy on in December. I, I have no yeah. idea. But yes, <laughs> maybe he'll I be have... maybe he'll be here for uh, Colts week. <laughs> but but again, like the overriding point is here. Time mag. I give credit to Time Magazine. Time Magazine apparently cares. Right. Great. They're in it. Awesome. They're in it. Yep. Like the, the, the country's news magazine of record, is that, can we say that about Time Magazine? Uh, at a time, they were. At a time. Is, like yeah, when yeah. We were kids, yeah. When we were kids, like, adults read Time Magazine, and I uh, did. But, uh, you know, I I mean, it still has the Time Person of the Year is a big deal. Sure. Which, which then you have to remind people the Time Person of the Year designation is not an award. I, I have this conversation with people every year. But perhaps this book author should be in the running for time person of the year because he is talking about something that a lot of folks are still shrugging their shoulders about. And, uh, and I don't understand, yes. you know, you could compare it to like the <laughs> Bengals, right? So the Bengals lost on Sunday, right? And it's because for a lot of reasons, but offensively another quick start. And then they stink. They spin their tires on offense and they lose. So people are like, Oh my God. But then, there are those of us who are like, yeah, actually, this has been sort of who they have been now for a while, and you didn't want to talk about it. So when an alien now shows up in your backyard, you're going to be like, holy <laughs> crap, this is unbelievable. And here are you and I who all yep. along have been like, hey, look, man, they're saying this is real. They're saying this is legit. You know, you <laughs> can sort of chuckle along with Jamar Chase when he says he doesn't believe in UFOs. We've been trying to tell you. There's some reasonably, I think, credible people telling you this is legit. Now here we are. Now, now you're overreacting. I I just made the sloppiest comparison of all time, but I liked it. I like it too. The the Bengals essentially are just an alien, a UFO landing in your backyard <laughs> at this point. All right, Mo, appreciate it. Thank you very much. I will see you this afternoon at uh Moreline Lager House. Should be a great time. I can't wait. Thanks, Paul.
All right. Well, when there's a big game, you got to bring in a big name. And we always do this. You know, Bengals, Ravens, it's become a thing. You guys are very uh, well attuned to what's happening in Baltimore. And that's mostly because of my guest, Jeff Zrebeck, back with us again. Jeff, what's going on? Hey, Paul, how are you? Good to have you back. It's, yeah. it's, it's just what it's just what we do. You know, Bengals Ravens has become quite a thing. And uh, I want to the Ravens are really interesting right now. They're always interesting, but. They're particularly interesting when you talk about the run that they've been on through this entire season. I want to start with the last you know, since the last we saw them in Cincinnati uh, and they won that game, the growth of Todd Munkin and Lamar Jackson and this offense to the point that they're at now, what, what has evolved to the point that they've been putting up, you know, the numbers that they have over 30 seemingly every single week now? Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think since early in the season, one of the things that's definitely evolved is, and it had been the case until probably this week, but their offensive line was getting healthier. You know, I, I think when, when we were there, um, the Ravens, I don't think they had Linderbaum at center. Um, I, I know Stanley was out. He's probably going to be out again. Um, so the, the, they they really struggled early finding that continuity when you had two or three offensive linemen hurt. That's gotten better again, but now we're kind of in a situation where that took a step back. But I just think overall, uh, Lamar Jackson's familiarity with the offense of what Todd Munkin wants about how he calls a game and and just the comfort level has improved. Um, They just I, I think the thing you could say about them is they have different ways of attacking teams now that they didn't used to have. I mean. Zay Flowers is good. He he can play. Um, Odell Beckham for for what they've asked of him, um, still can be a complimentary, effective receiver. Um, you know Bateman too. So they have some guys. You always know about Andrews, and now they've had this kid Keaton Mitchell in the running game. They just have more ways of challenging defenses, and uh, you know we've kind of seen it the last couple weeks. Every week they grow a little bit. They show a little more. Um, they look very good. Now the next step is to stop the crippling mistakes that seem to happen, uh, you know, two or three times a game that are kind of holding them back. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, the thing that I want to go to next is I feel like this game is particularly interesting because you have two teams that have had a very clear way in which they've won and lost. I mean, the Ravens play every game where they get up ahead. I mean, going just going through the, you know, the numbers of their first halves and first quarters, this just pure dominance. I mean, Mm -hmm. they just they just own every game early and then occasionally they choke to choke them away. Yeah. And what 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 has been, you know, sort of the bottom line of that? dynamic why is that happening or is that a question that they're still asking inside of the building yeah oh yeah it was all anybody was asking yesterday I mean (laughs) this is of their last 10 regular season losses dating back to last year they've had double digit leads in seven of them (laughs) um and you know you even go in other games like the Bengal playoff game last year they didn't choke that game away but they were on the one or the two yard line there with a chance to take a lead in the fourth quarter when it's been winning time in clutch situations, they just have not executed very well. And and that's not just Lamar Jackson, although 
he's a part of it. Um, as we're talking about yesterday and, and you helped me out with some stuff, you know, eight turnovers in the fourth quarter of games for Lamar Jackson since the start of last year. And when you take away the fact that he's missed several games in that span, and there's been a couple other games where he hasn't played much in the fourth quarter because they've been up big, that's way too many. Um, but even defensively, Paul, I mean, they've had a, a really good defense this year, but they're among the worst in allowing fourth quarter points. And some of it you can chalk up to, look, they've had big leads. You kind of sit back a little bit. If teams want to take long drives, it's okay. But it's just become a l- issue over the last couple of years. It's, I mean, it has to start with the head coach, right? I mean, it's his team, and this has become one of its characteristics. Uh, Harbaugh likes all the time to preach about toughness and and culture and all of that. When it's winning time, they need to show some of that, and they just haven't. And then you go offensively. They've been mistake-prone in the fourth quarter. Uh, it starts with the quarterback. Way too many unforced errors there in the fourth quarter. And it continues with the defense. Just hasn't been able to get off the field late. It's something that has to be figured out. It's been holding them back. Uh, it held them back last year a little bit. I don't think they were going anywhere once Lamar went out anyway. Uh, but still, it, it's costing them games. And, uh, you know, they say it's not in their head. They say this stuff just kind of happens in football. But it's happening to them more than any team in the NFL. I look at, you know, the way that, you know, credit also the other trait they have of jumping out on people. Yeah, The Bengals have lost the same way this year they fall behind and they're not very good playing from behind when they play from ahead they choke out wins and put teams away better than anybody in football it's it's truly like the template for how they win mm-hmm. games uh coming from behind if they if they're down early it's it's bad news for them they mm-hmm. just they have a real they make comebacks, but it's just it's a total crapshoot whether they can yeah. find a way to win as opposed to getting up early. And that's why during their four game win streak, when they were scoring a bunch of early touchdowns, it was it was night night for the opponent. The fact that the Ravens are so dominant early in games to me seems to be, you know, if that trend continues, it, it could end up looking like Detroit. And like Seattle did for the Ravens, where they just they put it so far out of reach early yeah. uh, that it, that any of that stuff you were talking about just doesn't even even matter. Yeah, I was, you know, as as we start writing up as a quick week, so uh, everything gets kind of accelerated. And, uh, you know, I think the first quarter of this game is going to be fascinating. I mm-hmm. mean, first of all, it's going to be a kind of a raucous environment there. Um, you know, you know how that is at your mm-hmm. place in night games and. Uh, there's a lot of time to drink and and to party and and all that. They're calling for a blackout in Baltimore. All the teams gonna be wearing all black. They're encouraging the fans, so it's gonna be a cool environment. Obviously, the Bengals have played in AFC Championship games, and so I don't think it's gonna be anything that intimidates them. But I think it's gonna be add add to the kind of the, the the you know how important this game is and all that. And I, yeah, I think the first quarter is, is going to be huge. Like they've the defense has been lights out early in games. They're not allowing uh, points at all early in games. They did allow an early touch in Arizona. Other than that, that's kind of the you know that was the exception. And um, you know when they've gotten ahead and they've been able just to keep just to control the tone. It, it's they've pounded teams into submission. Um, the, the the thing is, and, and it's kind of a quote that's gotten some run here, I guess a couple of years ago, Mike Tomlin sort of said, and I don't know where he said this, but it's gotten 
that the Ravens don't play fourth quarters and you just got to kind of keep it close in the fourth quarter to give yourself a chance. And that's sort of how it's been. That's sort of been the recipe for other teams. Now they've won a couple close games in the fourth quarter and converted some leads, but, uh, uh, it's going to be very interesting if this game's close down the stretch, especially with these two quarterbacks, especially with these two kickers, uh, these two head coaches. I mean, yeah, I, I'm expecting a fun one, Paul, on Thursday night. I, I really am. Yeah, no, I, there's there's no question. And you're right about that. The fascinating first quarter and first half, really, the Bengals keep it close. Then, and, and, and then maybe you feel like uh, the advantage shifts a little bit to them when you consider the environment and the way that games have gone for both these teams this year. Uh do you have any are we I don't even know what to do. Like it's it's Tuesday and I'm thinking about making predictions. Like can we even do this other than say <laughs> take the coins out of your pocket and flip them when you've got yeah. these two teams together at this point? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I usually go if and I'm terrible at picks, first of all, I'll say that. But <laughs> second of all, if I'm a toss-up, I usually say who's the most desperate team, right? And I think the Bengals are the most desperate team in this. And then I usually the most desperate team in the NFL wins, you know, mm-hmm. and, and often if the if the talent's close, if the teams are close. But I, you know, I I, you know, for a whip, I, I I'm I'm gonna pick the Bengals probably, but mm-hmm. uh, but I don't feel great about it. Uh, you know, I I do think as you said, um, I don't think a Bengals blowouts in play. Um, you know, like and when you look at the different variations of what could happen, I think Bengals win. It's a close game. Um, you know, but I think, it, you know, I don't know. I, I, I kind of favor the Bengals in a close game, Paul. That's kind of where yeah. I'm at with it. But we're so early in the week. I don't even know who's going to play for the Ravens. I I assume Marlon Humphrey and Ronnie Stanley are going to be out. Uh, but I also think Morgan Moses probably has a chance to come back at right tackle, a good chance. And that'll really help them a, a little bit. Um, you know, you got some big guys injured. It, it, it's, 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 it complicates things these early in the weeks. And, you know, uh, you know, the thought around here was, well, you know, the Bengals are going to be an angry, desperate team and that's not to the Ravens' advantage, you know, not with Burrow, not with, you know, their pedigree here in recent years. But, I mean, the Ravens should be pretty angry, too. They got pushed around and embarrassed on their home field. So I don't know that that aspect of it tilts in anybody's favor either. So, um, yeah, I picked the Bengals in a close game. I may feel differently by about 8 o'clock Thursday night. I, I don't know. But that's what I'm going with right now. Yeah, I, that's just it. I, I don't think there's any – uh amount of motivation and and you know brian callahan the bengals offensive coordinator called this it feels like a playoff game in november it does feel that way yeah because there's so much on the line in this division because the margin for error is so thin yeah maybe the bengals are more desperate but so are the ravens and it's like both teams need it in a big spot in prime time having to deal with a lot of different issues with injuries and short weeks who can deal with it the best uh it's going to be fascinating and i think it's going to have a huge determining factor and the ravens have a chance to deliver a knockout blow on the Bengals in the AFC North race. I mean, it was like, who's going to fall out first. I feel like we've been talking about that all year. If the Ravens take the Bengals out, it feels like it's, it's the hammer. That's a TKO for them in the North because being five and five and essentially two and a half games behind the Ravens is bad math. So uh, a ton on the line. It's going to be fun. I'm calling it biggest game in the history of Amazon prime. I don't know what what that even means, Uh, but, (laughs) but I think it is. And so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in the press box and we should be uh, talking about a a pretty uh, exciting night. So thanks for your time, Jeff. Appreciate you joining us and we'll, uh, I'll see you on Thursday.
My my pleasure, Paul. Safe travels here. Look forward to seeing you. All right. Have a good one. Okay. Much thanks to uh, Mo and Jeff uh, for joining two of the best at what they do. Great conversation. Great insight. I am fully prepped and prepared for this game now and prepared for the potential meltdown uh, on my mentions uh, when I go to sleep or for the like few hours that I'm going to before I fly home <laughs> uh, on Friday. Um I want to let's let's get into growler before I get into prediction. Let's get the growler bet and, and Arby's here. I got to bring it. You know, sh- you guys are the best. This has become so much fun for me uh, to read through these every week. Of course, we had a lot of talk. The 90s movie references were off the hook last week. Uh, Wayne's World, Jurassic Park, um, and a number of other things. So I would just want to, you know, of course, Lebowski always is out there for me. So I appreciate that. So a few, a few from last week, it was CJ Stroud's passing yards. Nobody had 356. Uh, not too many of you were willing to go to that sad place. However, um, so no, no winners, but it did have some, some winners in my book who sent me the best subject headers with the word growler attached to it. Start with Andrew McCormick. Uh, who said, who told me he can't even like recall if he's used this one before. Cause he sent me so many big Lebowski <laughs> subject headers at this point. And I appreciate it. He said, say what you will about the tenets of my betting strategy, dude, at least it's a growler. I appreciate that. Of course, <laughs> my, my weekly Lebowski quote, um, we got a an an ode to the go to F to sleep book that was referenced last week. <laughs> Uh, for Joe Burrow and Burrow's Bedtime. And that was, an uh, uh, again, a poem from Jeff Highland. Paycor is a wash in uncoordinated colors to watch CJ and the Texans weep. 290 <laughs> Stroud throws, but has some oh nos so Joe can go the F to sleep. Wow. I mean, it's just the amount of effort yeah. is what you appreciate. And yeah. uh, thank you for that, Jeff. That's true. Uh, this one, uh, Jurassic Park from Michael Estep, the growler bet finds a way. Yes. <laughs> Goldblum voice. Any any Ian Malcolm reference is yes. good by me. Yeah. And yeah. And foreshadowing to my winner, my real winner for this week. That's coming up in a few. Uh, William Jacob, who I really enjoyed this from our, uh, our, our Fox 19 hair talk from last week. And that is. Horst Meyer's Harry and the Trey Hendrickson's edition, which I I, I liked. <laughs> I really liked that. Uh, Harry and the Hendersons, Steve Horstmeyer, Silver Fox, Trey Hendrickson. They're just really tying the whole room. That's complex that right there. Yeah, well, yeah there's a lot. That's pulling a lot in. Yeah, doing a lot of work. Uh, we got <laughs> Brian Aubrey, Wayne's World, Growler Time, excellent. <laughs> like that. Like that. And then my winner for the week, Ian Malcolm is back from John Harth. God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man creates growlers. Man destroys growlers. It's just, God bless you people. Yeah. You're just doing it. You're just doing it in a big way right now. So thank you all. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where it's going to go next week, um, but I just, I, I look forward. I look forward to it all. This week's growler for Sunday night. Sort of heard this discussion with Jeff about how fascinating the first half of this game is going to be, considering the way these two teams have played and lost one and lost games this year. So I'm going with halftime score for my growler hmm. this week. You got to hit the halftime score 
on the head. I think it could be a real defining factor um, to who wins. If it's close, if the Bengals are right there or marginally in the lead, I think you really like their chances in this game. If if the Ravens get out ahead and do what they've done to so many teams this year, it, it certainly doesn't feel like that's going to bode well for the Bengals at all. Even though we have seen the Ravens blow leads, we know how the Bengals win uh, this year. So I'm going halftime score if I'm putting in my prediction. Dave, you have a, you have a halftime score prediction for this weekend? I do. I've got it all figured out. It's 14-13 Baltimore. Okay. I'm going to go Keaton Mitchell gets an early touchdown. Mark Andrews gets one, but Money Mac gets a field goal at the end of the half. Makes 14-13. Yeah. Um, while I mean, you're doing a point out, that's, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> I do want to point out while we're recording here, uh, a little, little breaking news from Buffalo. Shout out uh, to our guy Joe Biscaglia, who mentioned this after the Bills-Bengals game here. Felt, wrote it felt the coordinator change coming on in Buffalo and uh, boom yes. today heads roll mm. and Ken Dorsey relieved of his duty and Joe Brady takes over as offensive coordinator dude look our colleagues here know what the f they're talking about <laughs> okay he took heat he took heat for writing that yeah and uh guess what saw it coming although what a debacle the bills are but people will be having the same conversation about the Bengals if they lose in Baltimore about what a debacle the Bengals have become at five and five, the math, the AFC, what a mess. Although I don't think heads would roll here if that happened. Um, uh-huh. But interesting, interesting. We just wanted to touch on that as that came across my screen here. Um, I'll get to my predictions here uh, in, in a second for the totality of the game, but I'll say, I'll say Ravens lead 13 to seven at halftime. Um, okay. Uh, Arby's. My Ar- I have an Arby's for the week. It's a quick one. It's a it's a story from Monday's locker room. And these short weeks mess everything up. So they don't it, – it's just the, the normal schedule where there's an open locker room and then a Zach Taylor press conference at three with a locker room before it. it. It didn't really apply. Like I'm walking in. There isn't like hard, but like four car pl- cars in the player parking lot. And I'm thinking, well, this this will be productive. But they sort of forewarned us like the schedule just it makes it tough when anybody's even in here on Monday. Uh, so it was really a couple of hurt players, one of them being Trey Hendrickson, who a lot of people wanted to talk to, right? Well, and I, I was actually locked out of the locker room uh, because I didn't get in originally, and I'm texting everyone that's in there <laughs> who's just standing in there by themselves to come let me in. But apparently Trey Hendrickson walked through and was slowly approached with a, hey, Trey, and he just quickly, uh, Trey Hendrickson, not, not always real interested in talking to us, <laughs> even when he's having the best day of his life. Um, with a day after he gets rolled up on at the end of a game to hyperextend his knee, he gives a makes a zero with his hands and just says (laughs) zero chance. (laughs) I appreciate, I've said this before, I appreciate the bluntness of Trey Hendrickson. You know where you stand, you stand somewhere under one of his two (laughs) toes, his big toe and his small toe, or whatever. He, you're under there somewhere in the mood of people he ever has any interest in talking to you sure he wasn't doing like the heart shape with his hands like no he didn't quite curl the fingers (laughs) up he didn't give me the heart signal oh look at that (laughs) zoom dot did you guys know if you make a heart with your hands some sort of an explosion that was amazing again you can just do that oh my god magic 
I am concerned. Wow. I don't like that at all. <laughs> do, next time you guys are on a Zoom, do a heart with your hands and watch the hearts I, explode. That's crazy. That was that was magical. I did not see that coming. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we know nothing comes up with the zero because you did that too. Yeah, they but, don't. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, we, we might spend the next few hours just not recording, just seeing what Zoom will do with hand gestures. All right. Now I'm going to do a bunny hopping up and down. Do I get anything <laughs> from that? Oh, I wish we were not. back on the YouTube channel again for this. Yeah. This would be great interneting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You could actually probably make a lot of money of an internet channel that's just people test Zoom with hand <laughs> gestures channel. Well, don't give our idea away. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. That's that's the next great podcast. <laughs> um, all right. Let's get to predictions here. Uh, do you have one in totality for something that you think is going to happen this game in a final score? I think the Bengals are going to pull it off. Yeah. And given my... 14 13 halftime. I'm going to go with a 28 24 Bengals win. Wow. 28 points against the Ravens D. Yes. Are you you calling for this I mean you have to have you have to assume there's a, a Lamar turnover or two involved in that with a 28 spot against the Ravens. I'm going to assume that. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I think that's it. I mean, look, all eyes on Cam Taylor Britt four and five weeks and it's typically what decides these games is is the turnover margin and the ability to create one think Hubbard yard dashed I mean think any of these Bengals Ravens games that we've seen over over the years it seems to always kind of come down to that think Geno Stone in week two it's it's one one turnover always seems to find a way to make the difference uh the Bengals Nation eyes are upon you, Cam Talibrit. <laughs> I don't know who that is. That's some man from – it's like an old man in the monarchy <laughs> from England. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> but, but I do think you look to a guy like that to, to make to, yeah. to make the play. Uh, Logan Wilson. You a game. Logan Wilson. Yeah, yeah I mean, Logan you need Wilson that. has a knack for those moments. So, yeah. You need that. I, you need that in a big way. Um, here's Here's my thoughts on this game. And and you've heard me now mention it in a couple of different spots on this podcast. And, and I'm concerned about how this Bengals team is only winning one way right now. What we talked about last year during their 10-game win streak was the inevitability of them finding a million different ways to win games. One week it was the defense doing all kinds, getting a late turnover or one week it was the offense just going off. Uh, and another week it was getting some big play at the end. And, and then it was, it was like, then it was like a grit win, right? It just, they just kept finding so many different ways to beat teams. And that was really impressive about them. And what I don't know that we've seen this year is that they win any way other than getting ahead and salting away games. Yeah. Again on Sunday, you see them get ahead, fall behind, and the other team is able to really run the ball on them. When they're behind in the second half this year, in, in games they've lost this year, um, in the second half of those games, they are third worst in yards allowed per carry, 4.7. Mm. Team, teams have really been able to run the ball on them. Uh, when they've played from ahead, you know who's going to do that as good as anybody? The Baltimore Ravens. 
if you, yeah. if you let them play from ahead and the Ravens have just throttled teams to open games this year. It is unbelievable what they've done in the first halves to put teams away. Game after game after game, you see them do this. And so, you know, they've only allowed one touchdown in the first quarter this year. That was in Arizona. 16 total points. Two unstoppable forces against each other. The Bengals have scored a touchdown in the first drive five weeks in a row. The Ravens are what they've been. Can can Cincinnati get that fast start out and force the Ravens to play differently and the Bengals to play the style and tempo of game that they want to? I don't know, especially in that environment on a short week. All that yeah. stuff shows up there. The other side of this, can Joe Burrow learn from the aggressive mistakes made this past weekend? You know, he was, we heard from Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan about. When they were behind against Houston, we've seen this. He, he get, he, there was a you you don't fault somebody for having interceptions. You ha, that's the mindset that that Joe was in. Got to make the aggressive play. Got to make the aggressive throw. And that playmaking got them back in the game. But it also went a little too far in the interceptions that were careless. And the last one in particular, one of the worst that Burrow's thrown since he's been here, where it's like finding the balance between being aggressive and not being reckless when trying to make a comeback, which is what they may have to do. How Baltimore has lost games is teams making these comebacks against them. And if Burroughs in that spot a second week in a row, will there be a learning from that? I think that's another big piece of this to think about because you can't, you can't have those turnovers when you're trying to make the comeback. Um, all of that together, I, I, you know, I hate, I'm always a, I, my line around here since 2021 has been don't bet against Burrow and 12 0 and 1 in covering the spread probably mm-hmm. says that. Um, this is a tough spot. And I feel like the AFC North throws it away. You can, you can throw out things, the Ravens and the Bengals and this division. It just changes things. And those cracks in the armor that we saw over the course of the win streak that really came out last week, I still think are going to be there. I think the Hendrickson-Hubbard thing is going to be huge. Obviously, not having Higgins is going to be huge, even though Baltimore's missing guys too. So I have the Ravens winning 20-17, to 17, Bengals cover. But I think it's Tucker at the at the gun maybe. Or or Bengals you know, can't finish a last drive. I, they don't get the turn or whatever it is. Uh, I, I think the Ravens win this, and and there's going to be a lot of freak out happening about where the Bengals stand. But again, Cincinnati goes in there and wins. It feels like everybody hits the restart in the North, and it's mm-hmm. like the whole thing starts all over again with everybody right there where they want to be, and the Bengals feeling like they're right where they want to be. Just a massive, massive game for the tone and direction of the rest of this season from a Cincinnati perspective specifically. And uh, if you're the Ravens inability to land the haymaker, when you have a chance could also be something that they come back to regret, especially when you consider the way the last two seasons have finished for them down the stretch. Can't wait for it. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, We'll have a lot to talk about on the walkout, no matter what goes down. Uh, So looking forward to it. I hope everybody else is. Um, so keep an eye out for content coming this week. 
We'll have more in preview for Thursday night's game. And everyone's going to be enjoying themselves on Thursday. But don't drink too much and tweet. Don't drink and tweet. Okay. <laughs> so a lot of that happening on Sunday and Monday. Everybody just to, just just go to bed. Like if go if, it, if we, just go yeah. for a walk. You can always go for a walk. What was was my recommendation before? Take a walk. Then again, not, it, not the middle it, of the night. Then again, if you drink too much, maybe not. Just yeah, go to sleep in the middle of the night. You're taking your dog for a walk. People who are angry and drunk, <laughs> dogs. It just, I don't like it. I don't like it which, at all. Which, speaking of that, when I said that, the dog uh, perked up quite a bit. Who I said, yeah, yeah. Walk. So walk. there's, there's, there's confusion here right now. <laughs> oh man! On that note, uh, everybody enjoy the game, and uh, we'll talk to you on the walkout. Have a good one, everybody.